The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everybody, this is Chris just jumping in before we get to the good stuff that is the live episode to say thank you for your patience. Sorry we didn't have this up at the beginning of the day, but also we didn't think we were going to have any episode this week, so thank you to uh, Rob Southgate of Southgate Media Group for getting us the audio so quickly and also for putting together this really rad live event here in Chicago that we got to do. Uh, the show's super cool. It's nice and quick. We'll get to that right away, but because I didn't have time to do all of our typical thank yous and plugs and things at the end, I'm just going to do that real quick here at the beginning. Thank you, as always, to Brennan French for the use of our key art. You can find him at his website, brennanfrench.squarespace.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen french.squarespace.com. Thank you to BioQuery for the use of our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. You can find him at soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. And also on music streaming services of your choice. Thank you also to the... C2E2 team and Southgate Media Group again for putting together this live show and feel free to find us at our website bsgpod.com or on Twitter at bsg underscore cast we're on Instagram at bsgpod we're on Facebook and YouTube you can just Google Backstage Gaming and get ready for a really fun live show bye bye Hello, everybody. Hi, Thank everybody. you for coming. <laughs> so do you all like podcasts or something? <laughs> Hi, everyone. We are, backstage co- uh, we are Backstage Gaming. We are a podcast about theater and gaming and stuff. What does that mean? I don't even know. I'm Chris. I'm Dylan. Uh, can we get just a really quick extra hand for Dylan? This dude drove all the way from Cleveland to be here tonight. Oh, so, like, commitment. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, we are a theater and gaming podcast every week we take a look at some element of like how games put their stories together how games engage with their audience how games sort of let's rewind a little bit yes. okay so hi my name's dylan this is chris we already established that we yeah. are both fine arts majors at liberal arts colleges um and we are <laughs> we are unemployable <laughs> so so in our studies uh the one thing we have done for the last six-ish years, uh, four years of college, is that uh, we were studying and learning how to kind of examine theater because as actors, we are collaborative. (laughs) You (laughs) don't need to shush. We're we're really not that interesting, guys. It's fine. Uh, No, but we have studied how to, uh, basically the art of collaborative storytelling because as actors, we are basically packaging and presenting to an audience things that other people have already done and we just kind of interpret it and show it off? Yeah. Okay, so to long story short, uh, we're actors, we look at interactive medium and we're like, how can we tell a story with this? Sorry about that. Let's <laughs> go ahead. Uh, today, because we've got C2E2 coming up, we're very excited about that. We're going to look at something a little bit trade showy. We're going to look at how games market themselves and we're going to look at a couple of game marketing strategies over the years, some that were good and some that were really not quite so good. Uh, (laughs) Specifically, we're looking at games that how they have marketed 
immersion because games being an interactive medium, that's the big selling point. It's like your immersion, you're getting pulled into the game. Uh, and one that we kind of wanted to talk about, I guess, before they got to immersion, games are all about like the hardware. How many yeah. of you have ever heard the statement, Sega does what Nintendo don't? Yep. That's, <laughs> we got uh, a couple. That's the, that was the old guard of games marketing, isn't it? Sega, there was the whole like Sega-Nintendo feud, and Sega was all like, we've got, what was the, the thing on the Genesis that made Sonic go so fast? Blast processing. Blast yeah, processing. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, essentially, like, games marketing was like, we have a game. It has eight bits of graphics and does this and this and this. And then, you know, eventually as competition arose, it became more of a, this company has eight bits but we have 16 bits. And so a huge, a huge thing was just like, it was a race of technology and it was, it was very specs focused and there wasn't a whole lot to go from there. The first place where that kind of breaks off and the first thing that we kind of wanted to talk about or a notable one was there was a, an ad campaign for Nintendo. Uh, it branched across a lot of Nintendo properties in like the mid to early 2000s and it was the Who Are You campaign. Uh, one of the, somebody, somebody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> one person. We're talking to one person in the crowd right now. Uh, the one that like jumps out to my mind is there was an advertisement for The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap, mm. uh, which was a Zelda game where the, the conceit, as all Zelda games must have like their unique conceit, is that you switch between exploring the world that we live in and then the world that people that are this tall live in. So you could shrink down at will in certain places to be like, you know, the size of a bug, and then that was how you solved the puzzles of the game. And there was this ad that ran on TV featuring a man standing there playing his 3DS in the middle of a subway station, oblivious to everything around him, and then, like, the Zelda world appeared around him, and he, like, shrunk down to the size of a mite, and saw there was, like, you know, the cockroach in the New York City subway system skitters past him. There are, like kind of dated CGI, uh, computer-generated, animated models of Link and Zelda running around uh, yeah. past the gamer. And then at the bottom of the screen, you just see, who are you? And there was a lot of advertising from Nintendo. There was one that ran in Japan for like a Metroid game featuring a gymnast doing like power poses and like doing a, a flip reminiscent of the screw attack in the Metroid games and landing in like a perfect three-point pose. You know how a gymnast does. <laughs> uh, and then who are you appears on the screen. And that was like one of the first examples of like, they're not advertising the specs, they're not advertising the technology, they're not even advertising like really what happens in the game. They're advertising like you are going to be immersed in this world. You are going to feel like you are becoming a part of this game experience that you are playing. I think the cool thing about the Who Are You campaign is it, it's not even just that. It's there is this idea they're selling that where like the games that you play and the games that you find fun or like the ways that you entertain yourself in a you know a game sense, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is a form of self-expression. Uh, there are some Who Are You ads that are like, you can customize the colors to your Game Boy Micro or whatever. <laughs> um, and it's, it's really this idea of self-expression and also like this game, you know, in, it's, it's kind of hard to say this in like a non-capitalist sense, but like <laughs> this game represents like who you are. Like, yeah, the, there was a sub tagline for this ad campaign and some of the ads it would just pop up like, you are what you play. Yeah. So this idea of like, Again, like you just said, that is a very capitalist idea of like, buy these <laughs> games, it defines you as a person. But like, that was the, 
the mar- like the marketing idea here. Yeah. Um, the other big one that you know kind of worked well before we get into a couple that were far weirder that I want to spend more oh. time on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm assuming more of you will remember this than remembered blast processing one person in the audience who's very much on our page. <laughs> uh, the PS2, the PlayStation 2, had its famous ad campaign of live in your world, play in ours. Like, that was the slogan for, like, every PS2 game. (laughs) The idea that each game you have is its own virtual space that is its own living, breathing world that you get to interact with for a set amount of time. It was really a breakaway from this idea of, like, these games are so real, and, like, when you... When you get punched in the game, it's like you get punched in real life. You die in the game, you die for real! Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot less like that, and it's more this idea of, like, you are... It's escapism, basically. It, you are playing this game, and for however long you're playing, be it, like, you know, 30 minutes of, like, grinding in an RPG or five hours of hardcore playing Grand Theft Auto, you are inhabiting this space, which I think is, like, at least in college, that's what our professors hammered home about theater, is that the, it, when you go to a play, like that everything is happening in real time in front of you. Yeah, and the, I think the cool thing about Sony, what Sony was doing is that they were kind of pushing that idea. Yeah, the, it's honestly like, it, it's reminiscent, there's a, there's a current movement in the theater community for what is, I don't know if there's like a term that's been established for it that's like everyone is using, but I'm gonna, gonna call it immersive theater. Mm. Uh, things like there was a famous production of Hamlet in... Uh, it was either Baltimore or DC called that they were calling it Sleep No More. Yep, somebody. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, y'all know. And it was a, for those of you who don't know, they basically rented out a warehouse with like several rooms and staged a production of Hamlet that like just happened in real time. Oh, thank you. I'm an idiot. Oh my I, God, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for saving me from looking like a fool. Um, it was McBee. I was thinking Hamlet because sleep no more monologue, whatever. Um, it was happening in real time in this space and like different scenes would be happening not necessarily simultaneously but like moving from room to room and so you as the audience were free to wander from room to room and just experience whatever portion of the play happened to be happening in that moment. Uh, recently here in Chicago, uh, the Windy City Playhouse did a production of, I wanna say the play was called Southern Gothic. Thank you. Yep, some, I'm getting nods from the audience. Uh, I, I love Similar Chicago. deal. They, they built a basically just a small facsimile of a house in their space, and it was the same idea. You wander around and see whatever scenes are happening in the room you decide to be in. And that is something that theater is just now getting its toes into, but as you can see from these ad campaigns, this idea of like entertainment you can immerse yourself in more genuinely is something that games have been... Maybe not delivering on, They've been but toying promising with it. <laughs> for a very long time. <laughs> Sorry, no, I was just saying that they've been toying with the idea. And I'm sure um, we're going to see even more of that as things like VR start to take off more and more. Assuming uh, it does take yeah. off. <laughs> but we've talked too much about things that are good. Let's talk about things that are terrible. Uh, in particular, <laughs> we're going to talk... I, w- I don't want to... Let me make clear, for anyone who's a big Sega fan, I'm not saying that the Sega Saturn is a bad console. (laughs) I will say, the Sega Saturn had some terrible advertising campaigns. Uh, First off, there was one that I had forgotten about, but Dylan re-informed me of last night as we were prepping for this show, called Theater of the Eye. Theater of the Um, Eye. 
It is the most David Lynchian thing I've ever seen that was not directed by David Lynch. To the point where when it says Sega Saturn at the eye catch at the end, it says it in like the Twin Peaks backwards speak like Sega Saturn. The, the, the scene begins. The commercial begins. I want you to imagine it's like 19, what, 92 when the second Saturn is a thing? No, it's got to be later than later that. Later than that. 94, 96. 92. Yeah. Thank you. 1996, young. you're watching your Saturday morning cartoons. Commercial break comes on. You see one for breakfast cereals. You see one maybe targeted at the parents who are watching with their kids. And then you see a human eye zoom in, enters the pupil. You see a marquee. It says Theater of the Eye. You enter the building. There are people wearing cones and rods on their heads, representing the cones and rods in your eye, watching a film. The film is distressing. The cones and rods are screaming. They call the nervous system. The, the nervous, nervous system, system is freaking the fuck out. On. The nervous system calls the sphincter. The sphincter is in a room that's slowly shrinking. This is all real. I'm not making any of this up. We, I, I actually, I drove... <laughs> I drove five hours from Cleveland, and in my sleep-deprived, like, frenzied state, I pull Chris over, I open my laptop, and I show him this commercial, because he needs to know that it exists. It's and the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think what Sega was going for, because, you know, I didn't live during that time, unfortunately, but, I, like, articles have told me that the idea of the theater of the eye was to try and push... Sega into a more brainy, uh, intellectual uh, space of it mind. It didn't work. It did not work. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's, it's a wild ad campaign. They're all distressing. None of them are good to look at with your eyes. And they're all just like, I don't know why Sega thought that the idea of like, this movie will make your sphincter uncontrollable, or this game will make your sphincter uncontrollable, is gonna make parents want to buy games for their kids. You need a very big IQ to understand the Sega Saturn. Go away. <laughs> um, the other ad campaign I wanna touch on very briefly before we wrap, this one will probably last a little bit longer, but if I say, I love being able to interact with an audience. I'm used to recording so this like cool. in front of my microphone, <laughs> sitting in my chair, and now I'm like, there's people, I love it. Um, if I say the words, Sega to Sanchiro, does anyone Sanchiro. know what I'm talking yeah, about? We got, one. We we got, got like two people, we all got right. A couple. I'm gonna paint you another word picture. <laughs> it's a commercial. You, it starts with a trio of Japanese youths skateboarding, or maybe playing soccer, or doing something else that involves being outside and interacting with other human beings. And then one of them suddenly bumps into an unyielding form. It cuts to a burly Japanese man wearing a gi, looking down at them sternly. The child looks up and in a distressed voice says, Sega to Sanchiro. The man proceeds to beat up children using pri primarily judo flips and headlocks. And then it cuts to a scene of Sega Saturn gameplay. <laughs> if you I go outside the house and don't buy a Sega Saturn, Sega to Sanchiro will beat the shit out of you. I can tell that some of you think I'm making this up. Google this shit. It's real. It's the best ad campaign I've ever seen in my life. I love it with all of my heart. I don't know why they thought it was a good idea to threaten violence upon people who didn't buy their product, but they did, and I'm so thankful. And like... It never has anything to do with the game. You'll get, like, kids playing soccer. Sega de Sanjiro shows up, inflicts his justice upon them, Chris, and then it's like, Chris, hey, 
you don't understand. Why are you outside? There's a Sega Saturn in your house. By Sonic the Hedgehog. By it's, Sonic the Hedgehog. It's way better than being beaten up by a middle-aged Japanese actor. <laughs> Do it. I don't get it. And, like, I mean, I guess that's a kind of immersion if you're threatening physical harm upon the people who don't buy your shit. But here we are. Chris, buy Panzer Dragoon. It's great. <laughs> I mean, I believe you, Sega DeSandro. Please release me from this headlock. Never. I can't buy the game if I can't get to the game spot with my wallet that you've taken. Very well. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't understand. But at the same time, I very much love that it exists. And I'm getting the flashing light. We all can right. wrap up a little bit early because, you know, people have gone late. And that's about all we had to say. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us on this adventure. Thank you so much. If you like what we have to say, all of our social media and shit is in the program. Uh, thank you to our friend Brennan French, who did our key art. He's sitting He's there in the, the audience. audience. He's a great guy. Uh, thank you to BioQuery, who did the music that you're about to hear. And, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Woo! Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.